Hello and welcome back to the Underappreciated Hello. Movie Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, but nobody else does. Maybe by listening to our podcast, you too will get a renewed appreciation for these much-loved classics. I don't know, something went awry there. <laughs> I need to stop doing this intro. We gotta get some music. I'm Carly. <laughs> said this to my line. Sean. Tony. Each of us has picked a specific movie genre. I have horror thriller. The whole thing. I have I'll just do that. science fiction fantasy. I have drama and romance. I have Ash Adventure. Today's pick on the podcast is Elaine's pick. pick. Oh, we're Ooh. fucking this all. That's fine. We're only 30 From seconds in. We can start over. 88. Woo. Uh, Going a, way back machine. A fun Christmas pick. This house is a Christmas. Oh. It okay. ends on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or during the Christmas season. Um, it's Funny Farm, starring Chevy Chase. Um, this movie <clears throat> has a thermometer score of 65, an audience score of 51, a Metacritic of 50, with a mm. 6.2 out of 10 overall on IMDb. It had a budget of $19 million, and it grossed $25,537,000 in 20 or two hundred and twenty-one dollars. So gave cents. According to the trivia, <laughs> fifteen cents. This was a mild box office and critical success. Okay. So that goes into John's goes kind of away from John's theory about you have to at least double the budget to make the money back because they actually says this was a success. Hmm. Mild, mild. Mm-hmm. It uh, actually opened the same day as Tom Hanks' Big. Really. I saw the same Is Big a Christmas movie? Does it take place at Christmas? No. No. Because no. I was saying to Tony today, I was like, is Big? Does that happen at Christmas? Because if it does, I should have done Big. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of a fall, like an end of summer fall movie. Because when they're trying to find the last Zoltan machine, they find it kind of, it's like a breezy fall day. So it no, feels like November or something. It's hot in the city. Hot in the city tonight. Well, that was just Billy Idol. Never mind. I'm just curious. Where did that from, even come I haven't from? seen it's in it the movie in big. It's from the theme song at least of a decade. So <laughs> I don't remember. 21 Jump Street. That only I watched. I well, have... I'm sure Richard Rico watched it too. I remember watching Booker. I watched the fuck out of Booker, man. Embarrassing amount. I mean, I remember going, oh, I really wish it was Hanson, but okay. <laughs> so this movie... And I was right because he's a much better actor. Yeah, well... He had big things in front of him. and He was... He had big boobs? Big things in front of him. He was Johnny Depp. That usually means though that they got big. One ended up being Richard Grieco. One, One ended, ended up, up being, being Richard Johnny Grieco. Depp. The other one was Johnny Depp. Oh, but back then you couldn't tell who was going to be who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So this was directed by George Roy Hill. He's directed some other famous movies: The World According to Garp, hmm. Butch Cassidy, and The Sundance Kid. The original. Yes. Mm-hmm. Slapshot, and this movie called Thoroughly Modern Millie, which is from nineteen sixty something. It stars. Um, Oh my God, Haley Mills? No, not Haley Mills. Who is the person that played Mary Poppins? Um, and from the sound of music, Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews, yeah, it stars Julie Andrews. It's real good. I used to, I watched it when I was a kid. I really like it. I might see if I can track down a copy and do it for the podcast. It's ridiculous. It takes place in the twenties. <laughs> All right, friends, you should know Tony's drawing a snowman right now, and I'm worried he's gonna kill somebody. <laughs> Only if he makes an anvil out of ice. At um, first, I was like, why is Tony drawing a guy with such different length legs? But then I realized it was a scarf. <laughs> Are you sure that's not the pecker on the... <laughs> All right. Um, this was written... Who put the pecker on the snowman? This is based on a book by J. Cromley. And the screenplay was written by Jeffrey Bohm, who also did the screenplay for Lethal Weapon 1, 2, and 3. Wow. The Interspace, The Lost Boys... 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and much talked about podcast favorite, The Phantom. Wow, this guy's got a hell of a credit. Yeah, he does. <laughs> We've done a bunch it of It stars, those um, yeah. well, we want to do a bunch of It stars movies. Chevy Chase. As Andy Farmer. Who Chevy we all Chase. Know from. Caddyshack, National Lampoon's Vacation, Fletch, The Three Amigos, and uh, Paul Simon's video for You Can Call Me Al. <laughs> Which is our song. That's how I met Elaine. That was the line that I picked her up with. That is facts. He sang that song to me, and I fell in love forever. I'm he, Oh, it never fails. Only tried it the one time. but I may consider... Right. I mean... I may consider also doing the Chevy Chase movie, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Oh, that wasn't very good. Very weird movie. I mean, we'll see. You should um, do Fletch. The, I love Fletch. I think Fletch Lives is better. Fletch is not what? a movie from my genre. Really? That's an action-adventure. That. I watched that not too long ago. It's, it's not a science fiction fantasy movie. Well, it's a comedy drama-ish. I think it's more of an adventure. And the, the books are, I think, Oh, no, it's definitely science fiction, because Chevy Chase... <laughs> anyone to believe any of that He's out of this world? Yeah. All right, um, Eliz- the, his co-star, Elizabeth Farmer, is played by Madeline Smith Osborne, and she was in Urban Cowboy. She's a very familiar person. She's been on TV, but not really done anything, so like her face is familiar. She's like a working actress, but nothing... She doesn't even really have that many credits. And the only other... Person of note, that is, I mean, there are character actors who are in this that you would probably recognize who did a ton of episodes of random TV. Mm-hmm. But the only other character that's a welcome back to the, that I was able to find as a welcome back to the podcast was Sinclair, the man from the publishing house, Joseph Marr. He was also in The Shadow. And he knows the evil that lurks the in the hearts of men. Shadow. Uh, Carly, what did you think going in? I had heard of it. Well, never saw it. <laughs> You've heard of it though. Fascinating, John. I thought that snake still looks fake. Okay. I remember watching the shit out of this when I was little. I was like, "This is Great Outdoors meets The Money Pit." Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it a lot when I was little. It was one of those HBO rotation movies. Yep, it was an HBO rotation movie. Um, <clears throat> I have two reviews. Two. The first one by Eskimo Sound. And this is from May 2020. Ooh. They don't make comedy movies like these, like this these days. It's just nice, pleasant, non-abrasive comedy. Daft, silly, stupid, and fun. Loads of really good comedy mo- moments. 10 ten. out of 10. Ooh, 10 out of 10. And then uh, counterpoint. Philip V, or Philip V. I'm not sure which one. We'll go with Philip V. I liked it. Um, as it took place on a farm and was so crappy, it could be used as fertilizer on a farm. If you wow. accidentally pick this movie up at a rental store, wash your hands ASAP. If you're forced to watch it for any reason, just remember who did it to you on that list of grievances you keep. If you can make it through without projectile vomiting, you're a better man than I. One out of ten. And this is from February of 99. Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's scathing. Pick that Hard one words. because I thought John would find it funny. I'm laughing on the inside. A little ridiculous. A little over the top. A little bit. This movie is a breezy hour and a half. I don't know if any movie we've done make me projectile vomit. No. Jack Frost 2. Slither was pretty gross, but it didn't make me vomit. I mean, I don't have any visceral reactions to any movie we've done. Uh, That's a little ridiculous. Elena almost peed herself a couple times in some movies. I've never almost peed myself in a movie. Because you get scared. Yes, but I've never almost peed myself. It was a joke, (laughs) Anyway. So, our movie begins. We're at the Goodbye Luncheon 
for Andy Farmer. He's a sports writer for a newspaper, and he's leaving the newspaper to move to the country and write the great American novel. They're kind of giving him shit a little bit about how he's going to live the dream that they all have, to retire, to raise some kids, and write this great novel, and they're also, it's one of those classic kind of old boys club scenes where they're all smoking cigars and drinking in the middle of the And they're American, not Cuban. (laughs) And uh, the one guy, like even the goodbye speech, you son of a bitch, we'll miss you good. He he says, we'll miss you. Good sports writers are hard to find. Lord knows I've tried. (laughs) So, you know, they're all kind of good old boys. But he has received a $10,000 advance on his book and him and his wife are moving. So then we go and we see Andy and Elizabeth getting into their car, which, by the way, is an English dark green 1955 MGTF 15,000 convertible. It's a very fancy car. And the apartment building that they're moving out of is a very famous apartment <laughs> apartment building in New York that, oh man, what did it say? I can't it remember. It was in Three Men and a Baby. It, no. Damn. It costs like half a million dollars to live there. Wow. So he's a really cool so, writer. <laughs> It's kind or of they funny. Are independently wealthy, like somebody inherited yeah. money. Well, or something. at some point, he in one of those. She's a teacher. She's a, she's teacher. a school teacher who's <laughs> now not working. Yeah, and, he, and he was a, a sports teacher. writer for. He's a, newspaper. a sports writer for a newspaper. Somebody inherited uh, some money. It's one of those movie jobs. It yeah. is one of those movie jobs. She also where, makes um, canoes on the side. Yeah. Where did they get all this money? Because, yeah. oh my God. I think he might be uh, running from the mob or something. <laughs> and once they move to Redbud, at some point they buy a pickup truck too. Yeah. Well, like, the problem with the MG so, <clears throat> But they're moving to Redbud, Vermont. So really, oh, it's in Vermont. It's Tony in was Vermont. like, where do you think this is? I was like, I don't know. I just thought it was upstate New York. <laughs> Vermont. And, um... No, they had the same state taxes. you got to leave the state if you want to sell something to be able to live. We see them <laughs> traveling in their car. They stop for a picnic. They're having a great time on their road they trip. They see their movers and honk at them. And the movers are like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. Which is the appropriateest response. <laughs> um, at one point, we see two teens steal a roadside, which causes the movers to get lost. Mr. It Kirk. is it is the sign to Redbud. Now, one of these kids is an extra at the is they found at the local high school to be an extra, and he now in real life is a police officer. <laughs> that was in the trivia. I thought that was fun. That's kind of cool. <laughs> like, but hey, weren't you the kid who stole a sign? Yeah. <laughs> Andy and Elizabeth arrive at the house. He used that in his interview. Hang up about crime. I steal signs and movies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's magical. Everything about that house is just the perfect, and there's a pond, and there's ducks, and it's just wonderful, and there's bugs. Mm-hmm. And Andy seems to be just entirely captivated by this new life. Elizabeth, you kind of get the feeling right off the bat that this is maybe not quite what she had in mind. Or she's... She's not quite seeing through the rose-colored glasses. She's happy, but at the same time not. Andy decides to carry Elizabeth over the threshold because this is their first real house. But the front door is a half door. And he only opens the <laughs> top half, and he ha- runs into the bottom half and dumps her over into Drops the house. Drops her on her ass. Yeah, he I was does. Like... And I do like how she walked with, like, hunched over and fucking hurt for a period of Holy time. Holy shit. She had to sell it, you know. Yeah, she did. They go through the house and they find that the water and power is off, but they cannot seem to locate the phone. The phone has not been installed. Water and power are on. Elizabeth is hungry, but Andy doesn't want to leave until the movers arrive. So they sit about to uh, wait. Um, Andy is so happy that he decides he it's time for some afternoon delight. It's 
guy. In the, f- in the floor, like, on the floor of the room that he's going to use as his writer's office. Mm-hmm. But then they hear honking. And he thinks the movers are coming. And Elizabeth's like, wait, I thought we were getting down. And he's like, but no, I hear something. I think it's the movers. We, we still got 90 seconds. We could do this. <laughs> but... I mean, we don't he need runs to, outside. Don't need on the floor. Come on, dude. <laughs> he runs outside. Don't get down if there's people coming in the house with your stuff. No. He runs outside. But Put that is, bed down. Thank you. But it's not the movers. It is some man in a truck. And he almost runs over <laughs> Andy and throws something out the window. Elizabeth picks it up, and she's like, it's mail. I think that man is our mailman. That lunatic is our mailman. Yeah. The movers, still lost, ask for some directions, and... Um, is not helpful. Drive around some more. And then they come back to the gentleman that they asked directions of the first time. And the other guy says, let me try. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, sir. So they ask him directions. And he's like, and he's like, how would we get to this road from here? And he's like, well, I would never start here if Wait, I was going there. Um, excuse me. The driver of that van is a welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, from what? I looked um, through his entire IMDb. The last dragon. He's the bang bad guy. Oh, my God. Mr. Big. I looked through his whole, I thought he was, I looked through his whole IMDb trying to find, I looked through, he's in a shit ton of stuff. Yeah, he is. He's also in The Last Don, by the way, but he's, welcome back to the podcast. But I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled trying to figure out what fucking movie that guy was in. It's The Last. He's in everything. Well, Well, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm sorry that I did not appropriately credit him in the beginning of the episode. And you said nobody have noticed in this. But I did like the guy's direction because he's like, well, first you're going to go down here and then you're going to turn right where that barn used to be. (laughs) And you're going to be slightly left by somebody's field. And and, these guys are going to be able to follow And you're going to end up at this town and then you're going to go and he's like, or... You can just continue the way you're going and take the left of the fork. And, they're, and they start to drive and off. there's a bridge. No. Yeah, he said you could take the bridge. That's important. Okay, and take the bridge. And then he's like... And then they start to drive off. And he's like... And he keeps... He's still talking. And as they drive off, he says, but I wouldn't go that way if I were you. And as they come up to the bridge, it is one of these old covered bridges. And the passenger is like, that is not a bridge. That is termites holding hands. We are not going over that. Which is the only time I laughed during this movie. And the main and the driver is like, "We're doing it. We're getting. We're delivering the shit. We're doing it." And he starts to go over the bridge, and they get about halfway, and the bridge starts to collapse. Collapse. Mm-hmm. So collapse. then they like they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> they quickly reverse, and the whole bridge collapses. Just make it up. Night falls. The movers are still lost. Andy and Elizabeth are starving. But they have a map. Yeah, and the one guy says, "If I ever find out who drew this map, I'll kill him." Andy and Elizabeth are are starving, and they have to sleep on the floor. Elizabeth lets Andy sleep on her lap so that she can eat the last apple out of the picnic basket in secret. Banana earlier. Yes, she did. Well, I'm like, do you? Both need to be home when the movers get here. Yeah, like, why like doesn't one of y'all go get food? Yeah, so yeah. Why don't you jump in the fucking car and drive off and grab some meat? Something in it's town. It's ridiculous. You don't have to both be here. Also, movers take a while. It's not like they're going to yeah. get here and be done in 20 minutes. Also, you had that big picnic lunch, so you don't have dinner. You're not going to starve to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little ridiculous. But morning arrives, and with it, the movers. Andy is super angry and starts cussing the movers out. Well, he doesn't cuss them out, but he starts yelling at them. Where have you been? And the movers... sleep on the floor! 
Movers are pissed. They're trying to ignore him at first because they don't want to kill him. And they go... Is it, you hear that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Nope. And they Perchance go and they open, the, no. they open the back of the truck and they, they look at the furniture. And he picks out an office chair and he's like, good choice. So he picks up the office he's chair. Like, this goes upstairs. Be careful of that. It's fine Italian leather. And the man <laughs> walks right past the house, straight out to the pond, and throws his office chair into the pond. And then <laughs> yells at him. You slept on the floor, but we had to sleep outside. The with bugs. The bugs. <laughs> we almost died. So you're going to fucking shut up, and we're going to unload this van. <laughs> and Andy's like, that's fair. Um, later, we see that Andy has fished his desk chair out of his out of the pond, and he is going to begin his novel. We and see I'm him. like, how did he get that $10,000? Did he, I mean, he has to at least have an outline or something yeah. for well, them to get money based off of. Yeah. You they don't, don't just give you an advance and hope that you write a book. I mean, he'd, have, he'd, have, he'd have to pitch something. <laughs> but he might have been able to get it on his name because, like, you could have, like, you know, if Joe Rogan famous, or somebody can just go, hey, I'm going to write this book, and they're like, okay. Here's 10 grand. Yeah. That's actually how, I mean. If you're, if you're any kind of name, we don't for, know who this from, fucking dude is. From what I understand, if you're famous, it's very easy to get very an advance easy. based on very little information. <laughs> One yeah, of the authors I've, follow will answer writing questions about publishing versus self-publishing and how advances and stuff work and one of the things they talked about is you know how how this kind of thing works sometimes and um and the different types of advances that there are but anyway so he begins he sits in his squishy wet chair and on a towel and he types in his typewriter the big heist this is his novel title but all, but that's all he has. And then he goes, that, the. And some fucking <laughs> writer's block. We see Elizabeth has started to garden. Now, they have not finished unpacking this house. No. Nope. We know this is probably the same day because his fucking chair, chair is, is still so wet. wet. <laughs> so and they're immediately like, they just get enough stuff in the house that they're like, you know what? We're going to take a break. I'm going to garden. Nope. You're going to write. No We're going to grocery fine. shopping. No. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing that makes any sense. And her idea of relaxing is I'm going to go dig holes. Well, she starts to work on the flower beds. And Andy falls asleep because he's not writing anything. And uh, Elizabeth finds something in the flower bed. Something. What is it? Is it buried treasure? <laughs> no, it's a coffin. And she screams. Calls for Andy. He runs down the stairs. Goes to go out the door, only opens the top ha- half, and gets his dick caught on the doorknob of the bottom half. Ow. <laughs> this causes him to fall over and also causes him to discover where the phone is located. <laughs> in the bottom of a corner cabinet. So, uh, they try to call the sheriff about the dead body in the garden. But it turns out that the phone that was installed, it's not a regular phone line. It's a payphone line. <laughs> and there is some shenanigans, arguments with the operators about what, you know, that they need to call the sheriff. And the operator's like, you got to pay your 20 cents. And they're like, this isn't a payphone. And they're like, yes, it is. <laughs> and there's a little back and forth. They hang up a couple of times. But finally, Elizabeth grabs the phone and says, you're going to call the sheriff because there's a corpse in my yard. <laughs> and they do because Elizabeth gets things done. Well, because it's free to call 911. <laughs> Uh, so they then, the sheriff comes out and a couple of handy men to remove the casket. But during this said removal, the casket breaks open. The sheriff and these gentlemen 
identify the body as Claude Musselman. Apparently, Claude and Eula Musselman were the former owners of this house. Claude passed away, left the house to Eula, and $10,000 to the lady he had been tomcatting around with in town. So Eula, apparently, to not have to pay for a funeral, took his coffin, buried it in the garden. And then, you know, it's very important to get the last word here in Red Bud. But the sheriff takes the body, and he's going to go and see that he gets a proper burial. Um, they inquire about their crazy lunatic mailman, Crumb Petrie, and the sheriff tells him that uh, it's five miles off his regular route. <laughs> so they don't have a neighbor within five miles? Apparently not. And uh, by the time he gets out to their I walk house, naked all the time. this is the last house on their route. No one's coming over. And he's probably drunk. Five miles. Yeah. Here. <laughs> he says he's angry and well liquored up. You're the sheriff. You don't care that a mailman is driving, driving around. Miles. Well, the sheriff can't off. pull him over because the sheriff does not have a license. We're not there. <laughs> and he's, he recommends that it's best to just learn to live with it. <laughs> and then he gets in his taxi. And it turns out that the sheriff has currently flunked his driving test and will be driven around in a taxi until such time as he can pass his driving test, which appears to be never. Small town. Uh, Elizabeth, that night, has second thoughts. She asks Andy if they've made a terrible mistake. And he says, we didn't move for a change of scenery. We moved for a change of heart. And we just have to give it some time. We'll get used to it. Just, just got to learn, learn a different way of life. I need to give it a chance. The writer's block continues. The next time we see Elizabeth, she's dancing around the house to her Walkman with an unidentifiable song playing. Because they don't want to pay anybody for the song. No. She's yeah. dancing and unpacking, and Andy decides that he's going to go fish in the pond. He's sure that there's plenty of fish in this pond. I don't know why he would be sure there was fish in this pond. <laughs> but he's going to go gonna fishing. He's going to try to catch them some dinner. Lunch. So he hooks something almost immediately, but it turns out it is not a fish. It's a snake. And he runs screaming. And you can see how fake this snake looks. So as soon as he pulls it, like you see him grab the snake and mm -hmm. wrap it around his neck and then start screaming. Mm -hmm. And then he's got it hooked to a line and he's yes. running. And you can see the snake's not moving at all other than him dragging it. Yeah, because the snake looks fake. Because it's a 1988 comedy. Yeah, well, I noticed back in 1988, I'm like, that snake looks fake. Fake snake. Yeah, fake snake. But Elizabeth she can't hear any snake. of this because she's got the headphones. She's dancing. We see him through the windows wrestling the snake. Finally, the snake gets off the line, and he gets a rock to smash it on to smash the snake. But the snake has disappeared, and he sees it just as it goes into the house. Next, we hear is Elizabeth screaming, which would be my response if I saw a snake in the house. Like that one right there. I have to tell you that every time somebody posts one of those videos about somebody finding a snake in the toilet, I can't. I it terrifies me to go to the bathroom <laughs> at night for like a month. And I can't pee in the dark because I always have to turn on the light and look in the toilet just in case there's snakes. It is less likely for it to happen here. Than in, say, Australia, I yeah, guess. Or in, South America. In most or... places. Like, even in the country it can happen, but we live in a city. Mm -hmm. So it's less likely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, alligators in the sewers, that we have here. Uh-huh. 
Is that right? <laughs> I don't think like, that's we correct. We don't need to talk about this. Ghosts. Yeah, we have ghosts in Alabama. <laughs> Heard about some mutants. Ghosts? Yeah, we got some mutant turtles down there as well. Mm. That I would believe. <laughs> No, but for some reason there's a cat that's been hanging out in front of our house. Have you noticed that? No, I don't pay any attention to stray cats. Are you going to start feeding it? No. Because you could catch it and bring it to Tony and Carly's no. house. No. Tony needs more cats. No. I don't know. I'll start dumping all our stray cats in your backyard. I don't need to be adopted by a feral cat. But there's been the same cat for the past four or five days. It's just been. I go outside and he's just there and he looks at me and he runs away and I'm like, Where's this cat coming from? <laughs> well, I know we like to leave the dogs, like we let the dogs come out and uh-huh. like go to the trash or whatever. That may be a problem if we open the door, there's a cat there, the cat runs, and the dog's dog like chasing in the street. I'm yeah. going to kill you. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know what I don't know how the dogs will react. Your dog will probably chase it for a minute and then get tired. Oh. Poor boss. <sighs> Young boss will chase that fucker down. So after the horrific snake you. incident, they decide that Andy decides they've been cooped up in the house too many days. Although it kind of seems like it's, I mean, it's still the first week. But whatever. <laughs> They're going to go to town. And they get to town and they it's... They need to go grocery shopping. But they don't bring that up. <laughs> Carly's very worried about their grocery situation. Oh, well, they were starving to death after one day. Yeah. Because they, Half didn't a day. Want, they didn't want to leave with the movers coming. But uh, so when they get to town, they find out that it is the, founder, the day of the Founders Day picnic. And uh, Andy's tried to get Elizabeth interested and spots an antique store, and they pull over because Elizabeth apparently really likes antiques. And she says, you know, I know this isn't your thing, so why don't you head over to the ball game? There's a big Founders Day picnic softball game going on. Mm -hmm. And I will look at this, and I'll find you when I'm done. And he's like, all right, I'll leave you the car. You come get me when you're ready. And he heads off to the ball game. And she heads into the antique store. At the ball game... It uh, ends in a large scuffle. When the Empire calls a strike... Umpire. Umpire calls a strike (laughs) after the batter swings and hits the catcher in the back of the head, knocking him out. (laughs) However, this causes the catcher to drop the ball, and then the hitter runs the bases. Batter. Oh, he hit it, so is it a hitter? Just the batter. And Whatever. But uh, I'm just here to help. He <laughs> runs the bases, and, and one of the Redbud <laughs> softball team picks up the ball and tries to um, tag him right there over home plate, right over Marion's body. I believe that's Marion, the lawyer. I think that's his name. Anyways, um, the umpire says that uh, the runner is safe, and then it appears that the Redbud loses the Founders Day picking well, the softball game. was in a neck brace and looking up. Well, he had be- he was bent over. Yeah, he still couldn't see. It was, but and then there's that's what makes it funny. You see. Then there appears to be a large scuffle, a kerfuffle, if you will. But it turns out that one of the that the gentleman that was knocked out is part of a fishing crew, because there is a big fishing contest. Then it needs to be a four man boat, and the other three men in the boat that had the injured man in it say, "Well, we now we can't do it because we need a fourth. But then they spot Andy. And they pick him up as their fourth. Back to Miss Elizabeth. She's in the antique store and inquires about various antiques. And Mrs. Dingles, the, or Dingles. The old lady from Ghostbusters. Yep. yep. She doesn't seem to want to sell anything. And everything has a personal story about her. her late husband or her late sister. sister whose all, house exploded. Yep. Everything is, yes. <laughs> everything is very personal to her. And she doesn't seem to really actually want to sell any of her antiques. Mm-hmm. So back to the fishing derby. Yeah. 
So you figure you're an antique shop in a small town. I hope your rent is low. Yes. The boat takes off and Andy immediately falls out, which bodes well for this fishing derby. Back to Elizabeth. She, Mrs. Dingles asks if she, how she's doing, if she likes her chain, likes it here at Redbud. And Elizabeth um, immediately starts unloading about how everything is wrong, how unhappy she is, how everything is awful. awful. And the lady says, well, why don't you sit down? We'll have a cup of tea. We'll talk it out, you know. And she sits down and then she turns and there is a taxidermied squirrel there that startles her and she screams. <laughs> which is pretty much, I think, the reaction I would also have if taxidermied squirrel was right in my face. <laughs> yeah, okay. I like how the lady comes out there and goes, it won't hurt you. <laughs> He's stuffed. Fishing. So, one of the, so at the fishing competition, one of the fishermen accidentally hooks the other fisherman with a hook. And they're trying to now... Chevy hooks. It's not Chevy. You sure it's not Chevy? I'm 100% sure it's not Chevy. Because I was assuming it was, and then I realized it was not. It's not Chevy that that hooks Brock. But they're trying to look at the hook and hold Brock down, and Chevy decides, we're going to have to knock him out so that we can pull the hook out. And they're like, that's not necessary. He's like, no, no, we got to do it. So he starts hitting him in the face. And they're like, you're not knocking him out. You're just hitting him. He's pissing him off. So then he picks up an oar, and he says, I'm sorry, Brock. But then he goes to swing the oar to hit him, but then he knocks the other two guys out of the boat. <laughs> While they're climbing back in the boat, the hook miraculously comes out of uh, Brock's neck. That's not how that works. And then the other two guys are like, we're going to kill you. And Chevy crawls to the other end of the boat. And jumps into the water and swims off. <laughs> because they're going to beat the shit out of him. Well, yeah. Elizabeth then goes to pick up Andy. When she arrives at the side of the lake, the sheriff finds her, says, I've been looking for you. I have the bill from Claude Musselman's funeral. $4,000. Why do I have to pay for this? <laughs> well, just remember, Mrs. Farmer, when you buy a house, what's on the, in the ground belongs to you. Whether that's gold or oil or Claude Musselman. But he gave him the best burial money could buy. I'm not sure that I agreed (laughs) to the satin line casket. I agreed to the minimum at best. Yeah, cremated. He already had a coffin. Just re-nail that shit together and bury him in a generic plot. (laughs) I would go with cremation. He's he's, he's been buried long enough that he's skeletal, so it's been a while. Mm -hmm. He can be cremated. Or well, the bones are going to be scattered or some shit. At this point... Nobody, missed, lake, nobody right? missed them. There's a lake? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she starts to argue with the sheriff about this, trying to figure out um, how they're responsible for this bill. But that's when Andy comes swimming up, mm-hmm. gets out of the lake, goes right to the car, gets in, and shuts the door. And she's like, we'll discuss this later. <laughs> and uh, they drive home. And she asks Andy if he wants to talk about it. And he says, no. And she's like, well, why don't you take a look at this and hands him the bill. And he gets so furious that he crumples it up and throws it out the window. Literally. Good thing there's no cops in this town to pull you over. But as they're driving. Well, if they find it, they're going to know exactly who threw it out the window. <laughs> well, and he does say that so much for making friends in this town. But just as he says that, he spots a sign and says, you know what? If I can't make friends, maybe I'll buy one. And it's a dog re- adoption place. And he goes and he buys a dog. 
Now, I can't find any mention of what kind of dog this is. Is that Schnickeldoodle? It's some kind of hunting dog, like an Irish setter of some sort. Uh, they get home. It, they open the car door. It gets out of the car, and it immediately goes into the backyard to chase the ducks. As they fly off, the dog then keeps running and runs away. Periodically through the movie, we will see this same dog run across the backyard. Mm-hmm. But it has run completely away. It never away. comes back. never comes back. If you get a brand new adult dog and you don't have a fence, you don't just let it go. <laughs> it doesn't even well, know where it lives. <laughs> he was raised in the city. He doesn't know nothing of these things. <laughs> but then, I don't know why he... He goes to find the dog. He gets in the car to drive and see if he can find the dog. And then he, we see him come home later without the dog. Elizabeth is in her bathrobe. She seems to be writing something on legal paper and smiling about it, but hides it when Andy comes home. She tells him there's some good news. They finally came and installed the phone. And he says, he asks her if it works. And she's like, well, I haven't tried it yet. And he's like, why not? And they go into the kitchen. Because I don't and have any change. She tells him because I don't have any change. Because they've installed a payphone. Which is kind of funny because now you, you, you're guaranteed to never have a phone bill. That's what I'm saying. You better not be charging me a phone bill. Yeah. If you put a payphone in my house. <laughs> so it would be whatever phone calls you make. So if you don't make any phone calls that month, no bill. <laughs> but then do I have to take all the change I put in the phone to the phone company every month? And you could just tell people to call you. Yeah. Hey, call me tomorrow at Friday, you know. Call me Fridays at 3 or something. Or you call them and be like, hey, man, call me right back. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, pay, the phone company would have to come and empty the phone. But Elizabeth <laughs> true. Um, has, has started to perhaps have maybe a change of her heart. She's getting used to it here. Andy seems to be getting used to it here. We see Elizabeth go into the antique store and bought the squirrel that scared her so much. And Andy appears to actually be writing. And um, so does Elizabeth. Andy on a typewriter, Elizabeth on notepads. Um, Andy also tries to get the mailman to stop and uh, fails every time. He also continues to get notices about Funeral Cross, which he continues to ignore. Life goes on. Their anniversary arrives. And they get very fancy dressed up to go into town (laughs) and have a fun night in the town. Elizabeth has gotten him a present she's very excited about. It is a giant, lazy yellow lab that he names <laughs> Yellow, yellow Dog. Dog. Guaranteed not to run away. Andy has also gotten her gift, but she can't have it until later. And it's a really terrible gift. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> at dinner. That's not the gift you give your wife. No. They go to a diner for dinner, and Andy finds an appreciation so for a they, local delicacy. They get dressed up. Yeah, they're dressed and up. And go to a diner. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we would get dressed up and go eat at a diner. Well, because, no, they get, like, dressed up. Yeah, they do. But we would also do that. True. But they get the idea that there's no restaurants in this town. Yes. That's so yeah. But Andy finds an appreciation for a local delicacy, lamb fries. He's even going to break the diner record of 29. Um, as Andy is eating number 31, he finds out that uh, lamb fries are... Sheep's testicles. He spits out number 31. She races the board and makes it 30. He still holds the record. And he runs out to go vomit. <laughs> we suspect. Tell him why yours is so good. 
And you clip them up real high. <laughs> so gross. That would be a lot of People testicles. just don't have a taste for testicles. Mm-hmm. So 15 yeah. sheep had to be um, neutered? Neutered. I was going to say de-balled. <laughs> de-balled. <laughs> for you to have your... That's a lot Made of Made into poor that's, that's units. That's a lot of lamb nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing when we order chicken wings and we get 50 wings. You just killed 25 chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> At least you don't have to kill a sheep to get its balls. But we just make it. It's, it's a fun. harmless crime. It's more fun if you do. Yeah. What? I mean, what? <laughs> That's why you get boneless chicken wings. Because then, you know, you get a different part of the chicken. You get those boneless chickens. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Just so fly. after they, they eat. Run. They don't run. <laughs> chasing those. You remember chicken chasing a rocky? It's have, so much easier with no bones. They didn't have much of a life. After they eat, Andy takes uh, Elizabeth <laughs> to Sid's hideaway bungalow. Which, for kind of a small ho- motel, has a fairly nice room. There's a bed, Welcome there's a fireplace. Welcome back to the podcast, going away to a hotel for no reason. Yeah. For their anniversary. <laughs> Not for no reason. But for it's, their anniversary. Well, it's just kind of silly to, to leave. I mean, you for, live, <laughs> us to do it, it's like, okay, we're getting away from our house that we've been in for years. They just moved into this house like a, <laughs> a couple months ago. So they're like, hey, let's get out of this house we've been stuck in to go to a hotel. We're like, well, we're not used to this house yet, are we? I don't know. We just moved in. Elaine doesn't like doing that. No. I like to sleep in my own bed. I do too. I think I would have preferred to just go back to the house and start a fire and have a romantic evening. That's why we have like a four, yep. you know, four hour radius. We'll go. Vomited so up be sure to get testicles. home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he says he's okay. And he then says, and she lays on the bed and she's like, why don't you start a fire? And he's like, first, I want you to get, I want to give you my present. She's like, oh, good. And she thinks it's going to be something like lingerie or something. Because she had made a joke about she didn't pack a bag. And he takes, and he's like, I thought of that as he takes the gift out of the car. She thinks oh. she's getting a lingerie. But oh. it's not. Dibbity dibbity. It's the first few chapters of his novel. <gasps> yeah. And he wants her to read it while right now. While he watches. While he watch- and she's like, right now? And he's like, yes. And she's like, while you're watching me? And he's like, yes. And he's building a fire. He's like, I'm going to start the fire and you start reading. So she starts reading and he gets upset because she doesn't laugh as she finishes the first page. And she's like, he's like, why aren't you laughing? And she's like, what? And he's like, there's three big laughs right here on the first page. Did you see his name? And he reads it and chuckles again. And she's like, is this a comedy? I thought it was action adventure. And he's like, it's everything. (laughs) And he's like, and oh. but to not distract her, he's going to run down to the liquor store and get, and some, get champagne. some champagne, and she's going to read. So she, so she continues to read. Which is actually a good idea. And we see him as he, after he leaves. Awful, no, it's still awful. awful present. Well, <laughs> we see him after he leaves, he like peeks in the window, and he's all like got this big grin on his face, like this is the best thing ever. I think I'm going to do that for but, Christmas for Elaine. <laughs> so he comes back. Chapters of my book. You wrote a book? And he yes. pours the champagne. And they each have a drink. And she like slams hers back. <laughs> and he eagerly awaits her thoughts. And she doesn't like it. She doesn't like it so much that she immediately starts to sob <laughs> and cry. It's and so he's bad. like, what's wrong? And she's like, well, there's so many flashbacks. In the first 20 pages, there's three flashbacks, a flash forward, and I think a flash sideways. It doesn't make any sense. And she's like, and he's like, what about the plot? And he's like, what, or the story? And she's like, what story? And he's like, four friends, four poker buddies pulling over, uh, 
knocking over, knocking a over a casino is perfect. And he's like, well, what do you think I should do with it? And she's like, burn it. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, what do you know about writing anyway? You're just a school teacher. <laughs> and it's like, and she says, you should have never given me this as a gift. But she's a great, <laughs> she has a great line. This is such a sick burn. Because he says, what do you know about writing? You're just a school teacher, not an editor. And she comes back with, that's obvious. I read the whole thing. An editor would have stopped after the first paragraph. <laughs> it's a big oh. burn. It's a burn. It's a good burn. That and, burn. And, and a true burn. Yeah. That bird is so scorching that he throws his manuscript in the fire. Literally. Now it's burning. Shit. shit. And then he pulls it back out. He actually says shit. shit. And then he knows he's, he's got to come in his ass. ass. I did that to Ben the other day. He said <laughs> did it he back. Yep. He totally did it. <laughs> so every once in a while, I'll be like, yeah, they actually stopped and said shit. Yep. And then I no wait. And I was getting so sad when uh, Joe gets it. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's cool. I, I get bad it. when no one gets it. He's, I think the only person recently who's got it. But that makes sense. Stop, 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 stop. So the next day, he apologizes for his behavior. He says, I'm sorry I was way out on last I'm night. I'm sorry I gave you the world's worst anniversary gift. <laughs> he really still doesn't understand that that was a bad anniversary <laughs> gift. Because really, anytime, anytime <laughs> Tony brings me something he wrote and asks me to read it, I'll read it. But don't sit here and watch me read it. That's creepy. That's also, that's not a present. Like me. No. That's me doing you a favor. Yeah. No way. Yeah, but he still doesn't seem no. to understand it. But he apologized. I wouldn't even give you like one of my books as a present. Like, who the fuck gives a shit? You know, who gives a shit? You know, I would give you like the first. I have ordered of book, one of yeah. his books and given it to you. If it was now, your will, first, it, it if did, it was your first full length novel, mm-hmm. and you dedicated it to her, and you said something very beautiful in the dedication. Okay. Then I could see how that would be one of the presents you got it for Christmas. Yes, I will one say of when, the many. I will say I will say it was cool. I went when Not I went to only. when I went to Will's house. Uh, I was looking at his. He had a bunch of forty k books and stuff. He did have my one of my books on there. But to be fair, it was the one I put him in. So <laughs> I was like, dude. He goes, oh yeah, man. I, I pick your stuff up. I was like, thanks. That was really fucking nice of you. But I didn't expect that. That was really nice. Of I wouldn't do that for Elaine. I'm not a writer. But if I did, I would not give it to you as a present. <laughs> but you made her uh, shelves. You did make me a bookshelf, which was a great present. I did. I once got her an autographed copy of a book and she didn't know. Because that's something you made for her, not something he made for him. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That you get to read. <laughs> that's true. That's like if you made a... Shelves. Yeah. It's like if you made a bookshelf for you and gave it to me. Yeah. You're like, hey, look, check this out. This is awesome. Oh, what is this for? For me. <laughs> It's like if he made those a hat rack. Shelves. It's like if he made a hat rack and presented it to me as a gift, but I don't own a hat. Whereas he owns many. <laughs> I bought her a gun rack once and she said, I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns, and it says the entire rack. Mm. You get it? Funny? You get it? You get it? Anybody? Yes, yeah, from Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Ah. Uh, I've not seen that in a recent. It's not it doesn't hold up. I watched it a couple months ago, I was like, wow. You know what I watched the other night? No. Days of Thunder. Yeah, it's really good. You know why? Tom Cruise. Because Robin's racing. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a different movie. <laughs> Days of Thunder. Yeah, he didn't. Son, he didn't hit you. He rubbed you. Robin is racing. Oh, you never for seen some that. reason, Rubin's I thought that was something somebody said to Ricky Bobby. No. Oh God, man! I've completed Days of Thunder and Talladega Talligate and Talladega. Yeah, whatever. I, those are not even the same realm. No. <laughs> what are you looking? Nice. At? What are you doing? Nothing. Okay. He's making you a hat rack. <laughs> I have all these hats. Um, <clears throat> but he says he's going to try harder. He's going to work more on the book. 
and, and things will get better. This is where Andy has really started to lose his mind. Um, he's drinking the, a lot. Well, the mail arrives. Yeah. We, yes, he's drinking a lot. A lot. He's sleeping in late. Not, but he's not quite that. He's starting mm-hmm. to lose his mind a little bit. But uh, the mail arrives. Elizabeth gets something very exciting. Um, Andy gets, oh, they got in a car accident on the way back from Sid's hideaway bungalow because our two juvenile delinquents cut, to- down, cut down another sign. A dangerous curves sign. Kind of important. So, Andy now has a broken arm. Elizabeth brings him a cup of coffee that evening. She says, I've got some news. And he says, okay. And she shows him a check for $5,000. And he's like, what the hell is this? And she's like, I sold a book. And he's like, you wrote a book? (laughs) And she tells him. She's like, I mean, when you were writing. (laughs) She's like, I wrote it out longhand on legal paper. And then I sent it to a publisher whose contact details I got out of your office. (laughs) And they bought it. And they're going to publish it. And they sent me a contract. And they want more books. Mm -hmm. And he's like, is this an alternate dimension? (laughs) Did I break my head? Did I die in that did car I, accident? Did I bump into because he's Don so Cheadle? he's so um, surprised, and he asks her about what her book is about, and um, or well, no, first he tells her congratulations because he's happy for her, yeah. and she's like, well, I thought you would be so jealous because I published a book and your book sucks. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't quite put it that way. So she doesn't say that, but, but it's implied, and he is very annoyed. But he is trying to be a good husband and telling her congratulations. And uh, she, he asks what it's about. And she then describes it, tells him it's about this squirrel a, who moves, who gets uh, trapped on a truck and mm-hmm. carried from the big city into the country. And it's a fish out of water story. And he's like, did you write this about me? And she's like, no. And he's like, what's the name of the squirrel? And she says, Andy. And then he's like, you wrote it about me. And she's like, well, the whole town has inspired me, inspired me to write um, she then find things have turned. She's happy and positive things are happening for her and he is miserable. He also finds out that she killed Andy the squirrel at the end of the book. So he's the only character that doesn't get to come back. Well, he asks us, what, wonder what adventures you'll have in the sequel. Oh, he's not going to make the sequel. Yeah. He gets run over by a truck at the end. It's like, wait a minute, is this a children's book where the main character gets run over by a truck at the end? <laughs> it's pretty rough. weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I mean, in the 80s. Charlotte's Web fucking eyeballed yeah. a yeller. But yeah. she asked. I mean, in the 80s, that kind of shit happened. They, they killed some fucking. <laughs> she asked to use the typewriter because it's going to make her easier to write. So now she's on the typewriter and writing all the time. And he is literally losing his mind. He's drinking all the time. He's sleeping until noon. He's also tearing up funeral uh, bills. And to avoid paying altogether. He gets the brothers, the two handymen, to dig up the body in the middle of the night and bury it back in the yard because he's become a lunatic. As soon as they bury Claude Musselman back in the yard, uh, Yellow Dog immediately becomes a digger (laughs) and tries to dig up the body. I thought, why not just, if you're going to bury it back on the property... Why does it have to be in her garden? <laughs> yeah, just put it again, somewhere just, else. The lake is right there. <laughs> yeah. the You're ducks, clearly not going back in that water. That's where the ducks live. And the snakes. <laughs> I don't want to find our ducks are eating clawed musclemen. Or muscle um, blight or muscle whatever. Yeah, um, musclemen. And the ducks won't eat skeleton. But 
At this point, their marriage is falling apart. He's already been worm food. And he's depressed and drunk. The, the, the flower bed is there because it's good fertilizer. Elizabeth tells Andy she's going into town and he should get out of bed because it's 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. And she leaves and then he gets out of bed and we find that he was not sleeping. He was faking, faking and waiting for her to leave because today is the day he's going to stop the mailman at all costs. With a boulder. So he has a plan to hit the truck with a boulder. Might, he might possibly kill this mailman. He's pushing this boulder up a hill and um, when a car pulls up and almost gets hit with this boulder and it turns out that the man is Michael Sinclair from his publisher. He has come to inquire about Andy's novel. Because he missed a deadline. But Andy is not, he's too insane at this point to pay any attention and he makes Mr. Sinclair help him push the boulder back up the hill to ready his trap for the mailman. So then he tells Sinclair to hold the boulder and let it go when I tell you to. And Sinclair's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then... He's an older guy and he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. We see the mailman start to approach. approach, And Andy says, now, now. And Sinclair kind of sinks to the ground and it stops the boulder. So Andy pushes it over Mr. Sinclair and it falls down the hill just missing the mailman's truck and hitting Sinclair's car instead. Fucking it up. And then... Nope, just bought it. Andy's like, man, you you made me miss. Who are you? And he's like, I'm Mr. Sinclair. I'm from your publisher. You're three weeks late on your first deadline. I'm here to inquire about your novel. But tell you what, you just give me the money back and we're going to call it even. Because you're clearly not right. Yeah, you're clearly a crazy person. And he's like, no, no, no. I've been writing. I'm writing all the time. This, what you're seeing, is completely normal. Trust me. But I've got stuff. And he runs upstairs into the house to get something that he's written so that he can give it to the publisher. So that he, he actually it. has the manuscript he wrote before yes. it with the burns. It's and all he starts burns. to see if he can cut off the burn part. But then he sees Elizabeth's manuscript instead. And so he gives her, he gives his publisher, he's like, this is not the novel I promised, but this I have been writing. This shows you that I've been writing. I'm going to give you this t- instead. And he says, okay. And he leaves. Then we're a couple days later. And the phone rings, Elizabeth answers, and it's Sinclair. And he says, I'm, lo- I'm trying to reach your husband. And she's like, well, he's sleeping. Because she starts to lie and say he's gone. But then she's like, no, he's sleeping. Because this is all he does. Because he's just a depressed drunkard at this point. <laughs> and he's like, well, I want... He tells her that the book that Andy gave him was fantastic. And she's like, really? You liked it? That's great. <laughs> and... Uh, and then he says that, uh, of course, we don't have a children, we don't publish children's books here, so we're going to have to send it to this other publisher. And she's like, say what now? Children's yeah. books. What book? He, did he give you poker buddies? Poker buddies? And he's like, no, this is about a squirrel. And oh. she gets pissed. He gave, I mean, first of all, real. she already sold this book, yeah. so you can't sell it to another publisher, first of all. Let's just real actual legal things happening. Other than, all, other it's than not yours. He stole her book and tried to pass it off now, as his own. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. Like in Virginia here, you can't steal from your spouse. Yeah. Because and this is where we get the word y'all from. Yep. So if I take your book, mm-hmm. hmm, have I stolen? But I mean, she, I, I get the selling it to two different people. That's fine. But did I steal? Because you can't steal from your spouse. He didn't. 
Because intellectual Perhaps property Perhaps not in a legal No, he didn't ter- steal way. her book. Morally. But, but he he's, did betray he, her. <laughs> he stole her book. Morally. He yeah. took her hard work and tried to pass it off as his own. And he already plagiarism. knew that she had sold this book. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is plagiarism. She'd be under contract. The book would be all under contract. So, so. But this is the last straw. legal ramifications, yeah. yeah. The last straw is that, she, is that he took what she had worked on and was so excited about and tried to pass it off as his own. That publishing company so, would have nothing to do with them after that. She packs up no her stuff. No publishing company would have anything to do with them well. <laughs> She goes up into the bedroom. She gets out a suitcase. She starts throwing stuff in it. And she tells him that I'm leaving you. I'm going to leave with Mrs. Dings. Dingle. 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 It's D-I-N-G-E-S. Ding. Dingles. 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 Dingus. Dingus. I don't know. It's she says it a couple times in the movie, but I just Dingle. never can. I always want to say Dingles, but there's no L in there. And she tells him Dingle. she wants a divorce. There's a huge fight, and it ends with Andy taking Squirrel Andy and throwing it in the back of the truck as she drives off. Oh, well, really, I wouldn't want it. He doesn't <coughs> have anything yeah, to say anything to stand in this on. argument. Nope. <laughs> he does this bring really up the fact that she ate. Taking the, the, the only thing everything. the only thing he can come up with is I know you ate that apple because yeah. <laughs> I stepped it. on the floor. That's all he's got. That's all that's he's got. He had just gone and gotten food. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think but, we could all agree that's pretty fucking weak. <laughs> but you, you stole my race. writing. You ate the apple. All right, you got me there. Fuck off. <laughs> but I mean, there's really no. So now they want a divorce. They go to the lawyer's office. And um, they find out that they can't just get divorced. They have to go in front of a judge. And the circuit court judge only comes every once in a while. And they find out that the next time the judge is in town is when the one lawyer is representing the other lawyer in his... Uh, personal injury. Personal injury suit. The, the lawyers are the gentlemen from the softball game. The one was the umpire and the other one was the catcher who got hit in the back of the head with the bat. Um... And they start trying to sync up their calendars, and it's looking like it's going to be not till July when they can get their divorce finalized. And it's currently December. So then so that like just drive there. There has to be a bigger city in the state of Vermont, and it's a small state. <laughs> just go somewhere else. Take a weekend just, trip just, into the city, or or just separate. Go somewhere yeah. split well, up because divorces take a long time any, anyway. Depends sometimes. on where you are, actually. Yeah. The only up. thing they okay. seem to agree on is that they don't want the house. It's a year. And a year. and and yeah. after they find out it's going to be till July, Andy's like, "We're we're just going to leave." And maybe they are going to go see another lawyer because nothing in Redwood or Redbud Red works Bud. out the way that they want. Yeah. So then we are at a town council meeting. <laughs> Elizabeth and Andy have asked for to to talk to the town at the end of the council meeting. And they introduce, they're just like, I'm sure you know, all know Andy, our local record holder of lamb fries eating. And they clap. <laughs> and uh, they tell them that, Andy tells them that we are going to sell our house and we would like your help. And I think we can all agree that while it is not entirely the town's fault that we're getting divorced, you guys pay, played a big part. And they're all kind of like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. like but you would. <laughs> Elizabeth comes up. And she starts to pass out magazines. Um, their Saturday, what is it? The Saturday, Saturday Evening Post, Post with Rockwell. all the Norman Rockwell covers. And she says, this is a portrait of small town life. And we would like all of you to act this way to help us solve the house. And they're like, fuck you. And they start to get fuck up. Fuck you. 
And well, Andy America. says, there's money in it. So they turn and they sit down. And he tells them that when they're ha- with uh, the sale of their house, once the money reaches escrow, they will pay the town of Redbud $15,000. In addition, each person who performs a traditional act of small town behavior in front of the prospective buyers will get a bonus of 50 bucks. And everybody is like, okay. we're in. Anything for people would do this now for fifty bucks. <laughs> so we get our first prospective buyers, Bud and Betsy, the Culbertsons. Uh, they come to the house and they have put on this elaborate show. The Culbertsons go in the backyard and they release a deer, so it runs Cue across. The deer. Cue the deer, <laughs> and they come in the house, and Elizabeth and Andy have set themselves up to be this perfect portrait of. Country bliss. He's reading a book by the fire with a pipe. Yep. <laughs> She's baking, I think. Yeah. In a, dr- in, in a dress and heels. Yeah. yeah. That Elaine like would do. love to wear. Like you do. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff Elaine likes to wear. It is the kind of stuff I like to wear. But not when you're baking. But <laughs> they come in for coffee. They have a little coffee cake. You make the coffee. Well, they have company. And uh, Talks amongst yourselves. Yeah. The, Betsy tells them that Bud is going to retire and write a novel. And Andy almost kills himself choking on his coffee. <laughs> and they ask why they're moving. Elizabeth tells them that they're being transferred. He works for the that government. Andy works for the government. It's all very hush hush. <laughs> then we hear a familiar honk. CIA people of Vermont. Yeah. We hear a very familiar honking. And it's mail. It's mail time. And you can see Andy's eyes. He gets his crazy eyes. It's fucking crumb Petrie. <laughs> but. He doesn't just drive by and throw their mail out the window. He drives up to the house. He brings it to the house. There's he knocks box. on the door. <laughs> and he, he says he handpicked all the junk mail out. Yep. Give it to him. Like, That's I'll illegal. Just put this <laughs> and then he goes and gives Elizabeth a rum cake from Mrs. Petrie. We don't even know if there is a Mrs. Yeah. Petrie. <laughs> but, uh... And uh, he, he tells the, Cuth- the Cuthbersons that, uh, you know, they won't regret buying this house. But uh, we sure will miss the farmers. And then he laughs his evil maniacal laugh. <laughs> this is going to cost you. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just a whole shocking turn of events. That night they go into town. And it looks straight out of a normal Rockwell painting. <laughs> and Andy says to Elizabeth, this is going to cost us a fortune. And she says... The $50 bonus was your idea. Yeah. It's coming out of your cut. <laughs> it's the entire town. Yeah. It's crazy. And the sheriff, who's driving an actual sheriff's automobile, um, stops by to chat for a little bit, a little slice of hometown life, and he doesn't put his parking brake on, and it smashes off. Scrolls up. Into Ooh. the Christmas tree. Yep. But they they cover so that the they cover the it so that the Culbertsons don't they see lead them into uh, the diner. How many people do you think are in this town? Uh, like Three thousand, I'd say. Yeah, probably easy. easy. It's not a real town. I'm well, I'm just curious because you do the math: fifty bucks a person. Yeah, four, I mean, three, and some four of them thousand might maybe. be getting more than one. If it's yeah, no, if it's it was just one, people would have left. They wouldn't have stayed there all night. If it's three thousand <laughs> people. Fifty bucks is one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, how much? You, how much is that house in four acres or whatever it is? Worth? I don't know. They're suspiciously rich. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe he has to sell his car. I don't think that car's worth. But I don't know. They drove that car off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that car isn't worth anything anymore. 
Well, they get home and there's Christmas carolers everywhere. And Andy invites the everybody in. on his... On he the invites pond. them all It's like five in. grand, I think. Yeah. Lights them all in for hot cocoa. He says, would you guys like to come in for hot cocoa? Like, no. fuckers, get out of here. Yeah. But they have a... Because I know if I was going to buy a house and there was Christmas carolers and people um, skating on my pond, now. Yeah, this is too much. This thing, they sprinkled a little too much fairy dust. <laughs> they had, a, they had point, a dump truck come and dump the fairy at, dust. At this point, everybody can fly. It's yeah. so much fairy dust. Um, but so during hot cocoa and toasts, Elizabeth spots that Yellow Dog has finally gotten a piece of clawed muscle man. Yeah, and she goes after him trying to get the arm back. And eventually see, ends up having to knock him out with the frying pan. See, and instead of going, Clark, even though his name is Andy, but in my mind it's always Clark. Clark, looks like your dog got the skeleton from Halloween again. Yeah. <laughs> and you look and there's a skeleton hand. You don't think it's an actual person. You would think it's a skeleton from Halloween. Come on, people. But whatever, she takes care of it. He's a writer. He's supposed to be creative. I like, well, he's obviously a terrible writer. Yeah. Um, I like the she part at the end, though. Is she where she... any better than hitting a doll with a frying pan? Carl, I'm surprised you you're stood for this. Tony said something about it. <laughs> I do I like... said that, well, they heard a lot of do- they heard a lot of animals in this movie, unfortunately. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they're all dead by now. So. Yeah. I do like the part at the end where she goes to the garbage can. And just drops the arm in as if it was like a dead rat. Yeah. Or a banana peel. Makes me laugh. All right. So the Culbertsons are going to go after the Carols leave, making sure to tell uh, Andy their names on the way out the door. <laughs> um, the Culbertsons are going to go. They're like, you know what? We're, we're going to go sleep on it, talk it over. But I do think we are probably going to make an offer in the morning. And they're like, oh, where are you staying? And they, they say, Sid's hideaway bungalow. And he's like, stay out of town. No. <laughs> stay here. Stay with us. And they agree, and they stay the night. Get a feel for that. In the morning, they make an offer. And it's much larger than the farmer's asking price, which is good because they owe a bunch of people 50 (laughs) bucks. And they're still (laughs) running from the mob. But he says, this is more than we're asking. And they're like, yes, but we want it all. We want your furniture. We want your dishes. We even want your dog. I'm sorry, say what now? This is my stuff. We want everything exactly how it is. It's all perfect. Even the payphone? And Andy <laughs> and Elizabeth, like, well, they probably don't think it's a real payphone. They probably think it's just a decor Decorative. piece. <laughs> Who has a payphone as a prop in their house? People. People. I'm getting one. <laughs> It'd be cool, but we don't have a landline. <laughs> so. They probably have some that are wi-fi and stuff nowadays <laughs> i'm sure but i'm sure they have it's my wi-fi payphone yeah anyways but andy and elizabeth lock eyes and they have a shared moment Ooh. and andy tells elizabeth he's made a lot of mistakes lately and he doesn't want to make another one and he leaks, looks deep into her eyes and he says i don't want to move and i don't want to get a divorce and she's like i don't want to move either and i don't want a divorce i love Ooh. it here and i love you and then they start making out like hot and heavy, and the Cuthbertsons are pissed. Oh, she's going for the town. And they're like, "You can't do this." And they're like, "Yes, we can." He says, "You're gonna hear from my attorney because you made an offer <laughs> on my house and I didn't take it." Yeah, I didn't initial your piece of paper. There's an initialing piece of paper is not going to be legally binding. I know, but you made an offer and I didn't take it is not grounds for you no. to any kind of legal. But action. they storm out of the house, and the town. Be like Powers Booth. Will many bye. bye. 
many of the townspeople are in the yard, and they Christmas carol them to their car. <laughs> they, they fucking stop them. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. And then... Attack the halls with bells of holly. (laughs) And Andy and Elizabeth come out to address the town. And they apologize. They're like, don't worry. We'll get the next ones. We'll try harder. We promise. And they're like... already tried too hard. (laughs) And they're like, never mind. We have changed our minds. We are not moving. We love it here. Which is a really good way to get out of having to pay And Brock, the gentleman with the fishing hook in his neck, goes, what about our money? And Andy's like, well, we're not selling the house, so we're not going to have to pay you that money. And they're like, no... We want our money, and they start pelting them with snowballs. Yeah. They go in the house, and then there's a fun little bit where the ducks come in. But the ducks weren't anywhere near the house, nor getting pelted with snowballs. So I don't know why they need to get in the house, but where they open the bottom part of the door, and the ducks go in the house, too. And then we get a voiceover. We see it's summertime. We're at the Founder Day picnic again, it looks like. And... uh, Andy is telling us that they made good on the $50 bonuses to the town. Really? It improved town's relations. Well, well, she did sell two books. She sold two more books, and he now writes, um, is a sports writer for the Red Bud Gazette. Which can't and, pay very much. Can't you pay anything. And while it didn't work out the way they thought, they both agreed that this was the best thing that ever happened to them, and they lived happily ever after. Movie is over. No post-credit flatulence scene. No, no post-credit flatulence scene. Um, we'll start with Tony. No. And you, you're going to start with Tony. Well, I usually do because it goes around the table. <laughs> Probably always starts with me, you always start with Tony. It goes around coming around. Mm-hmm. I heard that. My favorite character is none. <laughs> oh. I don't like any character in this movie, particularly. They're all kind of assholes. Really? The wife. Elizabeth. She's okay. But she didn't do much wow. for me. My least favorite character is a tie between the mailman and Andy. They're both kind of assholes. My favorite line is Tell them why yours are so good. Because you clip them real high. Yuck. My favorite scene is pretty much that whole fake Christmas thing at the end. I thought that was hilarious. And my favorite tertiary object is in the beginning, when they first get there, Andy is taking pictures of everything with his Polaroid camera. (laughs) I hadn't seen one of those in a while. Um. It's probably a lot of nostalgia glasses, but I like this movie, so I gave it. You don't <laughs> no, like, you didn't like anybody? anybody? <laughs> no, I don't like, they're all assholes. Like, who, who are you going to like for a good character? Like, the wife is the only closest thing to a good character, I think. Everybody else is kind of shit But she stole the apple. Yeah. Hmm. Stepped on a damn board. Interesting. Whore. That's uh, that. All right. Hey! John? Uh, my favorite character is Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite character is Andy. Um, my favorite scene is the Christmas at the end. Yeah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. My favorite line is, hold on, this ain't a bridge. It's termites holding hands. <laughs> and my favorite tertiary object is the MG convertible. Because mm-hmm. that thing's amazing. If I could get one of those today, I'd get one. At one point, they're in it in coats, and I'm like, why don't they just put the top up? <laughs> they never have the top up. Goes, I wonder if Chevy Chase just Chevy doesn't Chase fit in that car with the top up. If, if you watch it, his head is like a two inches above the fucking thing. <laughs> he would have to be like Shaq in that motherfucker, I bet. And I will may bay this movie. Really? Uh, yeah. I didn't really you like it. You don't want to give it a yay? No. I didn't really like it, <laughs> but I remember liking it when I was a kid. 
So I, I think it is something you could enjoy if you're a little boy. If you're an adult, <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I didn't like it this time I watched it. I'm like, oh, God, this is terrible. Everybody's an asshole. Carly. All right. My favorite character, I also went with Elizabeth. And my least favorite character, I also went with Andy. <laughs> he's, he's a dick. My favorite scene, also the crazy Christmas. Um, my favorite line was, I couldn't, I would have had to go back in the movie mm-hmm. to get it exactly because there weren't a lot of lines in IMDb. Uh, but it was the nice try, Mr. Farmer. I know the sound of two pennies being dropped into a jelly jar. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> there's a whole, I think it is. There's a whole, <laughs> I think it is pretty much exactly. There's a whole scene You're when, almost they first, on yes. <laughs> when they first call on the phone company and she's like, you have to deposit. And he goes, no, this is not, not a pay phone. And she goes, you have to put money in. And they keep hanging up, and he hangs up and does different voices. He keeps trying to put one over on her. Like, He's like, the put end, the money in the slot. So he, he just puts the throws two quarters into a <laughs> jar. No, pennies. Or pennies. Two pennies in a jelly jar. Nice try, Mr. Farmer. And for my favorite tertiary object, I went with the wreaths that the carolers wore around their neck. Because that was weird, <laughs> and it looked uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm also going to make that. I have no nostalgia. I tend to not care for comedies. I did not super like this, but I can see why people would. So, I will make it. <laughs> um, my favorite character is Elizabeth. My least favorite character is Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Ledbetter. Mm. Because I hate this type of incompetent country bumpkin sheriff. Mm-hmm. It really bothers me. Why can't he just be a nice pillar of the community? Because people have Why does he have to be a bit of an idiot? Yeah, because his his jokes, they're not funny. Like, no. Like, it's... It's almost kind of funny, but it's not funny enough to where you need to make his whole character an idiot. Like he wasn't me. doing a bunch of things; he just he couldn't oh. drive. That's not funny. No, and it didn't need it didn't need to be there. It wasn't just a funny made him joke. A sweet old sheriff. Who yeah. cares? And like, and I don't like that trope. They don't do that that particular trope in, as much anymore. But I never really liked it. Um, my favorite line is, remember, Miss Farmer, whenever you buy a house, whatever's in the ground belongs to you, whether it's gold or oil or Claude Musselman. I think that's funny. Uh, my favorite scene is The Rock and the Mailman. Mm-hmm. I think that is funny. It's dumb. I, th- I thought it was funny as a child. I think it's funny now. It makes me laugh. I can't help myself. Uh, my favorite tertiary object is the covered bridge. When I was a child, and we used to go to family reunions, my there was a covered bridge by my great grandparents' farm, and we always used to go to the covered bridge, and it was really cool. And it like Turn there was holding hands, but there was all this like graffiti, not graffiti on the inside, but graffiti where like people had carved initials and stuff like it was a very cool thing, and I have very fond memories, and I think covered bridges are very cool. So that's my favorite tertiary object. Um, I really like this movie. It's like a tunnel, but above the ground. I find it. Inoffensive and charming. Inoffensive. <laughs> Sometimes with comedies today... They're a little offensive. I find the humor to be offensive. Either the slapstick is so much overkill it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Or the humor is so gross it's not funny. It's crude. It's very, very, very crude. crude. Yeah. Because yeah. um, that's the time to, to go. They tend to go overboard so that they think they're appealing to more people when they make yes. it so funny. It's but like it's not, not funny. It's, so, and, it's a lot better. Or the plots are so outlandish... Yeah. That it's just could never happen. This is just, it's a it's a light, fun kind of movie about 
these people who think they're going to have a better life and it turns out horrible, but it's still at the end, they, they still love each other and it ends happy. I like this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. I read these kind of books. But they don't make movies very often like this anymore. This yeah. kind of style of lighthearted comedy in the same vein as The Money Pit, which does it better. Yeah. Or like The yeah. Great Outdoors. Which does it better. Which it does it better. This is not maybe the best example of this, but it is a nice, fun one. Has and a, it's PG. Have they're yeah. doing a sequel or a remake of um, Great Outdoors. I'm like, yeah. please don't. Come on, John, John Candy's dead. dead. And please don't. Dan Aykroyd being... Yeah. But, but there's no nudity in this. But this there's movie's no PG. There's, they don't really make PG movies anymore that aren't actual children's cartoons. And there's something to be said for light, yeah. a little bit of slapstick, of some silly jokes, there's a couple of funny lines. It's just a nice way to pass the time. And I think it's worth um, the time and it you takes. Can probably and, make this movie for pretty cheap. And yeah. it's only an hour and 40 minutes long. See, it's it's a, not long. It's a quickie. It's quick. All right. And Curly. That's, that's it. All right. Please find us on Facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast. You can email us. Oh my God. 14 seconds long. Talk slower. This ad's 10 we seconds long. We would love <laughs> to hear from you. <laughs> And tune in next week on the podcast for John's pick. Now I thought about this, friends. Now check it out. Put it on receipt. Um, stay away from the alien butthole. Still good advice. Now I was gonna do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because I like that movie and it's a great Christmas movie. But then uh, me and Tony have been talking about this other movie for a year that neither one of us has seen, and we and I've decided that we're gonna see it, and it's Fat Man, starring Mel Gibson. That Santa movie? I've yeah. never heard of it. <laughs> Why is this your closing song? Because it's called They're Coming to Take Me Away, Funny Farm. <laughs> Another uh, Dr. Demento. Yeah. It's like a fish heads. <laughs> okay, then. I don't know. There was no... It's not like there's good songs in this. But yeah, I'm going full Carly on this one, and I'm picking a movie I haven't seen. Okay. Because only she has the balls oh. to do it. Bold move. I'm usually not that brave, but... He has the lamb fries to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the secret is 